Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of the Comfort Films podcast. Now, this brings us to the end of season one. Now, this has been a monster season <laughs> that started back in October of 2021. So this is the longest season you're ever going to hear of from us. <laughs> or anyone else, probably, to be honest. <laughs> when we took a look at our Spotify numbers, it said that we were in the 96th percentile <laughs> of people that created the most content over this time period. And I don't think it even added up all of the shows that we did in this time. No. So, at that time, yeah. I think it only had listed that we had done like 38. So it was barely even over half of our content. <laughs> We went hard this year, guys, and, and we were really happy to do it. And right now, we're going to take a bow on season one. I mean, it's been a good time. Uh, we're going to be back either first or second week of January. We'll see where our schedule brings us. And we'll have all new content. We'll have all new guests. We got some really great shows that are already in the can. You're going to hear from the guys from Film vs. Film podcast, Martin and Boaz, fantastic we've also got the crew from world of horror podcast really great you can take a look we actually recorded our top five shows our top five movies i should say for the year with them and also on their instagram they have them listed as well along with all of the other podcasts that they talk to about their top five for the year um, you can take a look at our website always, comfortfilmspodcast.com. We have got some essays on there for about the first, I don't know, 25, I think at yeah. this point, 25 shows that we've done. And these essays actually are reflections on the movies. They're things that we didn't necessarily cover in the show. Sometimes they're more personal. Sometimes they're more funny. They really run the gamut. And if you take a look on there, you'll also see that some of our guests actually have essays on there as well. So it's a good time if you want to go check it out and see what we've got on there. As always, since it is the holiday season, we would love a nice five-star review from you on <laughs> Apple or any other platform. Just say, you know, we're the greatest of all time. That's all we're looking for. <laughs> Just put it in print. Say, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire <laughs> life. That's all we're asking for. Not much. That really is a good segue into what we're going to talk about today, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, because it really reminds me of Sally. <laughs> when she writes her letter to Santa yeah, and Charlie gets annoyed because she's kind of being greedy and she says, I only want what's coming to me. I'm only looking for my fair share. <laughs> and that's really what John's asking for right now. Just, you know, what's coming to him. His fair share. Just a five-star review on any podcast platform. Anything like that, you know? <laughs> Just get, you know, a thousand of your friends to listen every day. You know, that's all we're looking for. <laughs> Just like, subscribe, you know, just really just kind of base your daily life around the Comfort Films podcast. That's all we're looking for. Just our fair share. That's it, our fair share. That's it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. No, yep. that's not really true. But, um, yes, we hope that you've had a great time with us as we have had with you. Um, we've met a lot of great people. We talked about a lot and a lot, a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. Here and as guests elsewhere. And, yeah, we can't wait to keep it going in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, yeah, we have said, we've had so many discussions about what we want to do next in terms of programming, and we've got a lot of cool ideas. And, again, you will see those next year. Yes. But that brings us now to the matter at hand. 
and that would be 1965's A Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, Georgia and I worked so hard to figure out what we wanted our last Christmas show to be. Now, I'm not going to list off all the titles, but I will let you know that we went through no less than four films or specials before we said, hey, what about this? Well, actually, Georgia said, hey, what about a Charlie Brown Christmas special? I mean, honestly, four is just the count since like yesterday afternoon <laughs> around 3 p.m. Like for the last week and a half, we've actually been mulling over every possible Christmas related item that there is. Yeah. Um, but we actually kind of went back to what we had done last year, um, which is kind of ending or wrapping up our Christmas on something that's not exactly a movie but more so a TV special that means a ton to us from back when we were kids. And that would be a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, I don't know about you, but this was like a staple in my home. Oh, yeah. Um, because back, you know, when we were children in the dark ages, before <laughs> streaming. Before light, before electricity. <laughs> before VCRs even really existed in most people's homes. Before indoor plumbing. <laughs> we would have to watch whatever Christmas programming was available on, like, the three or four channels that existed. You know, we're not really that old. We did have cable when I was a kid, but <laughs> even still, it was already a tradition with my parents, you know, to watch these specials that came on every year, and Charlie Brown Christmas was one of those. Every year, it would replay, probably, I'm assuming, on CBS, which is where it had originated, and, you know, we just watched it every year. It never got old. It was something I always looked forward to. And you, in particular, are a huge Peanuts fan, at least now. Has that always been the case? Always. I have always been a huge Peanuts fan. I inherited this from my parents. My parents adored Peanuts. You know, if we could go back in time, I actually had a Charlie Brown t-shirt. You know, <laughs> I've had so many Peanuts-related items over the years. I, I had still this... do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. But even more, I had one that was uh, Snoopy that said Joe Cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had a Joe Cool shirt. Did you even have the shades on? I had my favorite shirt when I was, like, in kindergarten was kind of a baseball jersey-style shirt okay. with Lucy on the front. Oh, um, and I don't remember if she was kicking the football or like holding the football or if it was like her and her little psychiatrist booth. <laughs> that sounds more on point for me, honestly, because I am always dispensing unwanted advice to others and trying to get money for it. No, I'm just kidding. Just yeah. the first part. <laughs> <laughs> I've given Georgia a lot of change over the years. I mean, we've done many loads of laundry on that change. With inflation, it's 25 cents per session. That comes in really handy when you go to do laundry, you know? <laughs> well, you know, it was really funny because when we were watching it this time, I was like, boy, Lucy has like that big Capricorn energy. <laughs> She's like, you got to pay me first. She gets the nickel into her little jar and shakes it and says it's the best sound in the world then you know she complains that she never gets what she wants for christmas just like a bicycle or some junk like that but what she really wants is real estate i mean i always liked all the characters on this i mean it's not in the special thankfully but Lucy and Charlie in the football oh, is annoying. so problematic for me yeah you know but that is thankfully not present in this special and this is the first special that they did 
So this came out on December 9th, 1965 on CBS. And, you know, I mean, the comic strip had been around since 1950. And they put this show out there. And the creators actually thought they had a dud on their hands. I mean, that's, that's so wild when you look back. Like, all these massive successes, right? Like Citizen Kane, you know, audiences were like, forget it, get it out of here, you know? And then we had that with Blade Runner. We've had it with so many things. And with this, what happened was the creators like, all right, we, we, here we go. You know what I mean? And they get it out there. And then the audience loved it. They loved it so much, you know, that even the studio, CBS, they, they weren't so sure about everything that was going on. They weren't into the, the jazz from Vince Guaraldi, which, which you know, again, it, it, when you look back, it's wild. But at the yeah. time, they were like, nah, nah. That song is so great. Like, you just can't stop with it. Mm-mm. I mean, I was joking because I said, you know, we still have a lot of Peanuts merch, but it's really true. Like, 75% of our Christmas decor is Peanuts related. (laughs) It's true. Um, We have, you know, a dancing Snoopy, a dancing Woodstock, who wasn't even in this. Didn't come around until two years later. That's wild. But, you know. Then we have, like, this really cool thing that you bought this year, which is a projector. That's like Charlie Brown show in a movie, almost. And then we have our tree. And that's it. (laughs) It's like either our sad little tree, which is actually kind of thematically appropriate as well. (laughs) Because Charlie Brown has a sad little tree that sheds its little leaves. But ours is fake and very shedy now that we've had it for over 10 years. It's a tabletop tree, a little guy, like what Charlie buys. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I love this. And we actually pretty much watch it every year ourselves. Yes. Um, this year it happened to be streaming free on Apple TV for a few days at least. Yeah. And so we just threw it on and thought, hey, this is it. We love this. Because it just gives you that nostalgia kick in the teeth right from the beginning. <laughs> I, lo- I love a good nostalgia beatdown. <laughs> you know, especially for the holidays. You know, a nice one-two combo from Santa and the reindeer. I love that. <laughs> this one is a pretty, like, I don't know heavy nostalgia smack for me it it, yeah it's definitely heavy i mean again going back to the woodstock thing for a minute because this i did not realize so woodstock didn't come around until 1967 and he was not actually named until 1970 that's really weird yeah i mean well the funny thing is like i didn't think about this either and like literally never realized until today that like peppermint patty wasn't in this she didn't come in until the following year she came around in 1966 this was 1965 so a lot of the characters in this one are kind of you know minor in a way like the the background kind of characters we still have pig pen frida i think was around she's the one with the curly hair that can't stop talking about it okay um but shermie and Patty, non-peppermint. That is confusing. <laughs> that is this. confusing, yes. Well, she started in 1950 on Peppermint Patty, but Peppermint Patty didn't come around until 66. And I remember Peppermint Patty and Marcy a ton mm-hmm. when I was a kid, so I didn't actually realize they weren't in this. It was weird. Look, there, there's so much when you go back. I did not remember that there was such a theme of anti-commercialism 
in the special, which is really interesting because it's like, okay, you want to have something where, you know, this time of the year is about caring. It's about being happy, being giving, loving, enjoying your time with your friends and family and not getting too wrapped up in buying gifts or just, I don't know, some cool way to repackage emotion, you know, <laughs> like with a shiny aluminum Christmas tree. Like, I mean, that that really hit me this time because I'm a gift guy. I'm not going to lie. You know, my family were gift people. I love to gift. This is like my favorite time of year because I have an excuse to buy everything under the sun for Georgia. <laughs> and I will even compound that with the fact that her birthday is on January 3rd. So I actually buy all these gifts at once. And then I give her a lot of them early. And that gives me an excuse to buy her even more. Yeah, gift giving is definitely your like love language number one. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and every time I'm like, okay, we're only going to spend this much for Christmas. <laughs> you loophole my birthday in yes. to get all the stuff that you want to get. So <laughs> in the end, I do benefit, so I can't complain, <laughs> but I like gift giving too. And, you know, I do think that there is something about that that's just really important during the season. But I think that the point of this is not that you don't decorate or you don't give gifts but it's more that, like, you remember why you're doing it. Right. And that's, you know, a big message here. And I'm sure that my mom loved us watching this because my mom was very, like, religious when we were growing up. And this does kind of have this religious angle where, yeah. you know, Linus tells the story of Jesus being born as the true meaning of Christmas. And that does, that's, like, the thing that kind of changes Charlie Brown's perspective. You know, I always related to Linus kind of the most um, in all of these things because I feel like he can kind of be like the voice of reason. It's not that he doesn't have fantastic ideas because like in The Great Pumpkin, he's got his fantastic ideas, but he is kind of a little dreamy and, and you know, this is the kind of person I want to be, whereas maybe I'm more like rattling my nickel in my can and wishing <laughs> for real estate. I like Linus because I feel like he has his brain where it's supposed to be um and i also relate to charlie brown though because you know how many times do you hit christmas and you you know how you're supposed to feel but you just don't because you've had a hard year or things aren't going the way you want them to go or you've lost perspective a la george bailey and you just don't remember what exactly you're doing anymore and that's what i love about this it's, you know, it almost reminds you of a, a sports movie or, you know, an entertainment movie. I'll stick with sports because it's like Charlie Brown is depressed and he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what this season is really supposed to mean. He doesn't get it. He doesn't have the reaction that everyone else has. And then he is enlisted to go far beyond himself. Because, you know, the, this depressed kind of introspective guy needs to take a back seat in order for him to direct this Christmas play, which is an enormous undertaking. And the personalities he's dealing with oh, yeah. are kind of an unholy nightmare. <laughs> I mean, some of these girls are jerks. Like, un-Peppermint Patty is a total a-hole, honestly. <laughs> and Violet is maybe even worse. Like, Violet is just ready to rip Charlie a new one in every moment. Well, I mean, at the beginning of, of the show, we actually have Charlie Brown running into Violet. 
and he looks like Norman Bates psycho. <laughs> and then he thanks her for the Christmas card. And she's like, I didn't send one. It's yeah. like, I know, or whatever. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... I wasn't ready for the heavy Charlie Brown. I forgot about that part. Yeah, I mean, you got to feel bad for CB, man. He's got a tough time. Like, I mean, he's at the beginning of this. It's so sad. He's like, I know nobody likes me, yeah. but I don't want to be reminded of it. And, ah, uh, you just feel so bad. And honestly, I don't feel like that's resolved to my satisfaction. Like, I know everything is okay at the end, and they sing Heart Their Old Angels Sing. And they're like, oh, Charlie Brown's tree isn't that bad after all. But I feel like penance needs to be done. I mean, this is kind of <laughs> like a Mr. Potter situation again, where it's like, you know that everything's okay, but it's like not okay enough for me. Sure. Because, you know, I want to see like Violet slip on black ice and like take <laughs> a header and just, you know, you know, get a little humbled. She needs it. Same with Unpeppermint Patty. Well, they, I mean, Charlie Brown, I mean, you know, again, if we think about this like a car race, I like just doing these analogies today. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, if you think about Charlie Brown as like an expert bungee jumper, you know, just think about it that way. No, Charlie Brown really gives it all he's got. You know, it's pedal to the metal. Charlie Brown takes this role of director very seriously. He does. And he does everything in his power to make it work. You know, he gets this tree because it's in line with what his vision is. And he takes it back to everyone. And they cut him down for it, harshly. Yeah. And he is like, you know what? I am not going to let this shut me down. Well, Linus, let, let me, you know, of course say, really helps there. Because Linus gets Charlie to see, look, you know, what this is all about is love. And, you know, if it's about love, then nothing else matters. And with Charlie Brown, he picked out that tree because it was real. You know, it was a real thing. But what did it need? It needed love. A tree's a living thing. So it, it needed love. And, you know, he tried to give it everything he could. He put the ball on it from Snoopy's doghouse, and then it droops, and it's very sad. And, you know, Charlie Brown is completely crushed. And, uh, you know, I feel absolutely horrible at that point because well, you're like, oh, he went so hard and he really was like not going to give up. He wanted it to be wonderful. And then you see what happens is the crew, everyone else shows up. You know, everyone does band together, which he's been looking for the entire time while working on the show. And they're banded together in a message of love, of friendship, of, of giving joy. And they work together and they make that tree beautiful. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. And then they sing, you know, in celebration. It's it's a wonderful moment. You know the play is going to be a great success. You know, Charlie actually has a good memory, right? Yeah. And, you know, he was so depressed. <laughs> right? Because it's just like at the beginning, he was so low down. Like, yeah. Charlie needed a W. And you he, know what I mean? <laughs> he always <laughs> he does. It. Yeah. Poor Charlie. But, you know, the tree is kind of a metaphor for Charlie Brown, really. Oh, that's good. Because he feels, you know, like this sad little broken up tree that nobody wants. Mm. And, you know, when he sees it, I think he has like a, kin a kinship with it because he relates to it. And, you know, he kind of picks this tree that represents him. He takes it back. Everybody is horrendous and craps on it like they do on him yeah. all the time. 
But, you know, he decides, you know, he doesn't care after Linus reminds him what the true meaning of Christmas is. And he takes his tree with him. And he does want to improve it. You know, he tries to decorate it and it doesn't work for him. But when his friends come, such as they are sometimes, Linus accepted, Mm -hmm. um, they are able to help him and make the tree what he wanted it to be. Um, and really make the tree what he saw when he picked it. You know, he picked it because he saw it as being more beautiful than it is. And they were able to make it that way. So I really like that. It's great. I mean, it's, again, it's the vision of Charlie Brown, the director, and I guess the human. Because when we have the actual rehearsal, and, you know, Schroeder's playing Linus and Lucy, it's lit, everyone's dancing. Lucy loves it. She's snapping her fingers like, isn't this a great play? You know, and he throws down his bullhorn and we get that honk sound, which is hilarious. Then he comes out and just gives the business. You know, it it took me a minute, you know, to like really take that in because the music was great. Everyone was happy. Everyone would be entertained. But what was happening was it was just a really cool dance party. You know, like the very old show American Bandstand, you know, yeah. so it was like great, but it didn't have anything to do with the actual holiday at hand. And he wanted to merge those two. And that's what happens at the end yeah. because they get the tree, you know, they get it fixed up. They sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's incredible. You know, and, and Linus and Lucy is awesome. I'm sure it's still in the show. You know, I, <laughs> they have to have it in there. Snoopy can dance. And I love his dancing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love Schroeder's piano, you know. Yes. I love that Schroeder was always playing, and then he wanted to play for release (laughs) in the show. And it's like, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, it's Beethoven. What does Beethoven have to do with Christmas? Oh, man. It's cute. I also really like in that scene how it shows you the plight of the musician when they're working with someone, you know, and when someone's giving them direction. Because Lucy keeps saying, play this song. Jingle and he's, Bells. Right. Yeah. Like, play Jingle Bells. And he keeps playing Jingle Bells. But she keeps telling him, no, it's not Jingle Bells. And it's like this beautiful song that he's playing. Yeah, he plays these beautiful two different arrangements and she can't get it. Mm -hmm. And then he just starts plunking the key (laughs) notes. And she's like, yeah, that's it. (laughs) And it like (laughs) blows him off the piano there (laughs) because it's so loud. Well, yeah, and it's just like he's so disgusted that he has to pare down you know, this beautiful artistic vision to this very simple, basic, non-expressive, you know, uh, uh, song. And it's just, yeah, he's doing it. And he looks so mad and he's just doing it with his index finger, just banging away. (laughs) And it it just sounds like an angry dog pawing a child's piano. (laughs) You know, that's, that's like the emotion that I get. So I really like this movie because... I feel good after I watch it. I'm the type of person who is like Charlie Brown. I don't know what it is about me. I can be having the best time in my life. And I'll always be like, oh, man, something's going to happen. Oh, man. Overthinking. We both do this. I'm like that, too. Yeah. It's just like you have that and you can't let go of it. And, you know, it's like, oh, am I really feeling the holiday enough? Is it good enough? Am I doing a good job? Like, I want a scorecard. Like, you know, one time I was talking to one of my friends because I was just like, man, I don't know. Am, am I am I relatable? Do I do I seem normal, you know, when I'm talking to you? And they were like, 
you want me to fill out a scorecard for you? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's me, you know, and I, I could really relate to it. I can really relate to having these feelings of just not not knowing if what you're doing is all right, questioning everything, you know, sadness, right? It's just like when you have an overactive mind, you know, for me, whatever the reason is, I always try to find something that is off. So, you know, I'm like Charlie Brown. And when I'm in a creative project, that focuses all of my energy on that creative process because you need to give so much. You don't have time for this baloney you know, that's in your head, that is only mucking up the works. It's not doing anything to help you. You're not figuring anything out. You're just like emotionally throwing yourself further down the hole, right? It's like, I got your dog, mister. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like that. Real bad. Yeah. <laughs> hurt real bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like Put this. the lotion in the basket. Oh, my God. How did that work into a Charlie Brown Christmas? I don't Christmas? know. I really don't. But, you know, <laughs> when you know this many movies, they just start loading up on you, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I know what you mean. Like, I think that's what we do sometimes is that, and this is probably relatable to a lot of people, at Christmas, like, you load your card up <laughs> with so many activities and so many things to do that you just keep yourself busy so you don't have to know how you feel. Right. Almost. Like, you're just, like, focused on tasks. Like, okay, I just have to get the shopping done. I have to decorate and I have to cook and I have to clean and I have... And you do lose sight of what it means to have Christmas. You lose sight of the time that you're supposed to be spending with your family and your friends. For sure. You lose sight of, you know, if you are religious and you do have religious meaning to the holiday, you know, and I think that it's important to slow down. And even if it's hard, because it sometimes is, allow yourself to feel things so that, you know, you're in the moment. Like, this is a hard year for me, Christmas-wise. And it is for several people I know that have lost family members or something over the course of the year. And so these bad feelings come up. And I know my first thing is to squash it and move it away. Oh, yeah. You know, just be like, okay, no, I'm just going to sing. <laughs> I'm going to sing more songs <laughs> and buy more presents and put up more lights and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Like I'm turning into like Howard Dean. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to go to Vermont. We're going to go to New York. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing all these things. And it's to distract yourself from, you know, feeling things. And I think that's what Charlie Brown does when he gets, like, this directing job. Mm -hmm. You know, he just throws himself into it 100%. He's like, this is my one chance, you know, yeah, to do something that means something that's meaningful and good. And unfortunately, the people that he's working with are kind of still the same garbage people that they are the rest of the year and <laughs> you know no this doesn't suddenly make people like him this doesn't suddenly make his life good but he's just looking for that thing that's going to help him but really what he finds is that his change of heart has to come from the heart it has to come from inside it can't come from outside you know, he could have come in and done this play and been great, but no amount of external validation is going to uh, change his heart. 
And that's mm. what needs to happen here. He needs to have a change of heart. I mean, again, it's back to the It's a Wonderful Life story. Like, you know, you can have things happen outside yourself. You can change your perspective, but you have to really have that change of heart. Um, you know, like George Bailey, when he goes through his situation, he has, you know, this experience where clearance shows him what life would have been like if he was never born. And that does change him as a person, but it is an internal change. Because when he goes back to reality, nothing has changed. In fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. He has people waiting to arrest him at his house. <laughs> but he sees things differently. And so for him, the depression has taken a back seat. He is living his life in a different way. And that's actually what's happening to Charlie Brown here too. You know, and he fight. you know, Charlie Brown's internal depression like fights back hard. You know, I mean, when he, he leaves, he's in a really positive frame of mind. And he gets to Snoopy's uh, first prize doghouse decoration. And he tries to use some of those decorations on his tree. And it doesn't work. And he immediately is disheartened again. Yeah. So it's something with Charlie Brown where, I mean, honestly, I think it's a pretty reasonable depiction of depression. Because it isn't all magically fixed. You know, you can feel better one minute and then feel worse again the next. It's like a constant vigilance with something like that where you have to, you know, continually be reminding yourself what's important. Absolutely. I mean, you can have something where, you know, you have people telling you in real life, hey, you stink, right? But then you also have this internal voice saying, hey, you stink. And both of those have to be in harmony. And really, you know, people saying you're great inside, you're like, oh, I stink. Inside, you say you're great. People on the outside, you stink. So it's like, yeah, it is a very vicious cycle. When he goes to Snoopy's doghouse, and Snoopy has won first prize in this competition, which I find amazing. Yeah. Of course he won. Yeah. He's the best, you know. Snoopy is like the charmed life, yes. you know. That's the ideal. I mean, that's what you want to have. You just want to kind of have this happy existence. It's almost like a Marx Brothers character come to life. Like, it's just happy-go-lucky. It's perfect. You know, Snoopy is like the Ferris Bueller of the Peanuts world. You know, that that's what I see. And, yeah, you know, and Charlie Brown's the genie. <laughs> that's perfect. I mean, honestly, for me, it's like I can see myself in Charlie Brown, and I can also see myself in Snoopy. You know, it depends on the day. You know, <laughs> um, I would say more Charlie Brown than Snoopy as of late, but there have been days where there's been more Snoopy yeah. than Charlie Brown. So it's like you go back and forth. Now, get this. So he goes to this first prize stuff. Ah. So he goes to Snoopy's first prize doghouse, and then Charlie Brown is like, I am just going to take his stuff off his doghouse. Now, that's a little messed up, guys. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, oh, this guy won. Let's just take his stuff. You know, and I'm like, what? Well, it is his dog. I mean. I don't know, man. It's kind of it's kind of like there should have been a little talk like, hey, bro, you mind if I hook this up for the show? You know what I mean? Like, I can't just like go 
up to someone who has like a, a number one cake and just like <laughs> just you know like a handful of yeah it. just to be like i'm just gonna take this for analysis you're like no well i mean if we go back like snoopy was like booing charlie brown when he was announced as a director so yeah maybe he's like you know payback what? time <laughs> I, I th- okay you know what i think you're right because <laughs> i couldn't believe snoopy booed him i did not remember that i didn't remember i did not remember snoopy giving charlie you know the business i i didn't recall that beat which was very surprising for me well snoopy's kind of an agent of chaos i think that's why you relate to snoopy sometimes and i see both snoopy and charlie brown and you as well and it was really funny because i was going to make that point but you already made it yourself so we're even better <laughs> um, but you know yes, yeah, snoopy has like that chaos to him where he kind of just wants to, like, watch the world burn in, like, a non-lethal way. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he wants to watch the world burn so much as he just wants to watch the world party. You know, he wants a lot of, like, non-dangerous things to happen that are just goofy. Like, he wants to see you brush your teeth with motor oil. You well, know, he like, wants something to, like that. He wants to just mix things up so right. that it's not the norm. Like... And he also is really uh, undercutting with authority. Mm-hmm. Like when Lucy is like giving her big speech, like telling everybody what to do. He's right. like standing there making fun of her and mocking her. You know, so I think that that's what we, you know, have with Snoopy is that he does want to disrupt, you know, normal. And that's you too. <laughs> <laughs> Depressed and disruptive. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, man. It's also good because the director, Bill Melendez, actually does the sounds for Snoopy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Right? So it's like we have the director who is the authority on this, right? Um, And he is also playing the person that's undercutting authority. That's great. Yeah. I mean, we had Lee Mendelson as a producer and, of course, Charles M. Schultz created Peanuts. So we have all of that right there. Um, A quick story that is pretty interesting that we just saw before we came on here was the music. So Lee Mendelssohn was looking for music to go with this Peanuts documentary he was working on in 1963 called A Boy Named Charlie Brown. And he heard the song Cast Your Fate to the Wind on the radio, which was Vince Guaraldi. And I believe he won a Grammy for that piece. Oh, wow. Um, And so he got in touch with him. He's like, hey, I'd like you to write music for this documentary. And Guaraldi, Guaraldi said, sure. So he ends up writing this song, Linus and Lucy, wasn't called that at the time, but Mm. he wrote it and he calls Mendelssohn and is like, you got to hear this, you got to hear this. And Mendelssohn's like, oh, let me come to your studio. I don't want to hear it over the phone. And Geraldi's like, no, if I don't play this right now, I'm going to (laughs) explode. So he played it and Mendelssohn was just like, yeah, that's it. Like he just felt like it fit Peanuts so well. And then they ultimately didn't end up releasing that documentary because of funding or whatever. But they did do this Christmas special and they used it for that. And it really became like the Peanuts theme. You know, it's called Linus and Lucy, but it's also called the Peanuts theme elsewhere. It is the Peanuts thing because when you hear that, you automatically see those kids. Yeah. And it's such a great song. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. The other thing we have in this Christmas special, which is really interesting, is we actually have children doing the voices of the children. Yes. You know, so it's like, wow, okay. Just different choice, because mm-hmm. usually it would just be adults doing, like, kid voices or whatever. Right. But it works. 
It's perfect. I, I like it because it feels more real. And actually, one of the actors, I can't remember who it was, couldn't read at the time. So they actually had to do the lines phonetically. They had wow. to be like, you know, say it to them, and then they would, you know, say it in pieces. So, yeah, it, it was totally nuts. Maybe it was Sally. I'd have to look. Crazy. Well, she is very young. She sounds very, very young. Yeah. Um, but that's funny because their acting is pretty good it, look, for kids. It's really strong. I mean, this is an adult tale told by children, you know, and we've had things like this in the past. I mean, you know, I'm sure nobody knows what I'm talking about. There was a movie called Bugsy that came out in the 1970s, maybe 1980, and it was all about gangsters, but it was told with children. It starred Scott Bayo. And uh, oh my yeah, God, I've never heard of that. And that sounds ridiculous. It was Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster. And it was this gangster story with children. Yeah, I, I've, I've never seen it. But anyway, so th this is neat that it's so real and it's so open and it feels very honest, you know, because when you were a kid, yes, you have these moments where you're mean, you're nice, but you snap back. You know, you're not really stuck in one emotion. No. Charlie definitely seems like the oldest of the group because he has, in my opinion, an older sensibility in terms of his depression and the questioning. This is very much like the journey of the artist that we've seen in so many movies, so many books. He's like an old man in a kid's body. I mean, he's even <laughs> kind of bald. Right. You know. I mean, I never understood what his hair situation was supposed to be. No, I never did either. It's just that, that squiggle. Yeah, it's like he has male pattern baldness, but he's like 10. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, that would depress anyone, I guess. Right. I'd be pretty bummed out about that. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, man, you know, I'm 10 and I have no hair. You know, I don't even know if he's that old. I don't know how old he is. Oh, so God. No we got to look it up. But we do, yeah. One thing that I really liked about this that I kind of hadn't thought about before is that I feel like the, the special really captures like the comic strip quality because mm. even though there is kind of an overarching story that's about charlie you know rediscovering the meaning of christmas and being accepted by his peer group for five minutes or whatever um we have these like little vignettes that happen throughout that feel very much like a comic strip for mm. me the one that is most prominent in my mind at this moment is when they're all trying to knock the can off the fence with snowballs. Okay. And then Linus eventually like puts a snowball into his blanket and uses a slingshot and knocks it off. And Lucy's pissed because, you know, somebody besides her did something. Right. So <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. And I like that. I like how it has like the little kind of comic strip type vignettes interspersed in the mainline story. Well, and just the animation. The animation is gorgeous. I never noticed how pretty it was until tonight. And maybe it's just the resolution that they have it in now. You know, because I remember old televisions, you know, would be fuzzy because you're trying to get the network in. Yeah. This is like pre-cable box, you know? And like <laughs> you didn't... TV. Right? Yeah. Like the sound could be a little blown out on the speaker for your TV. But seeing it in this 4K glory, I was like, wow, this is yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. And the sound is great. So, yeah. I mean, the other thing that comes to mind for me with this, this is, again, way out in left field. But I've been way out in left field for this whole show, so why not? You, you live know? there. It's your home. That's, yeah, right. Let's okay. continue, right? I think about um, how Charlie Brown took this director job without fully understanding just how much responsibility he was going to have to carry. Like, Lucy was basically like, you know, let's just get this fall guy to dump it on, you know, so it's not me. And, you know, if it goes down and it goes wrong, we can just say, you know, Charlie tanked it. You know what I mean? 
And, you know, Charlie, of course, you know, had the best feelings and he went forward and he was a great leader. But the song that was in my head was the James Brown song, Pay the Cost to Be the Boss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I feel like Charlie paid the cost to be the boss. What about you? Well, I mean, I think that this was just kind of more of the same for Charlie because I feel like he always is kind of the low man on the totem pole. Like, he's a bit of a punching bag for the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, but he's also our number one character that we relate to. Mm-hmm. So, in that way, Charlie Brown, in the Peanuts comic strip and beyond, I guess in the lore of Peanuts in general, is paying the cost to be the boss. Because he's <laughs> the boss of the comic, you know? He's the head of this team, from our perspective, anyway. Because he's kind of the focal point character in Peanuts. And the reason that I think he's the focal point character is because he is kind of a kind of a every man that is kind of downtrodden, you know. He represents the part of ourselves that we all have who feels not good enough and who feels like everybody's, you know, down on him. And, you know, he tries really hard and he works, you know, really hard to be accepted by people and it, it's not always the best for him. But in the end, things do usually turn out good. And he has a great best friend in Linus. Linus yes. is an awesome friend. And, you know, he does have things that turn out right for him. You know? It's nice to have it turn out right for him. It that is I think the best thing about this is because things go so far off the rails. And he's rallied for so long for it to be great and true and wonderful. Uh, you know, this is very much about adults, even though it's set with children. That's what I like. Because when we look at these characters and we look at their behaviors, you know, we have all these different aloof characters. We have narcissistic characters, <laughs> right? We have people that just love to delight in chaos. You know, you have all of these different people. You know, and it's kind of like Charlie Brown is just like in the eye of a hurricane. You know, it's just like everything around him is completely wild. And he's trying to make sense of it. And I, I just think that it's perfect putting him as the director of the show. Because when you're a director, that is truly what you're trying to do. You're trying to make all of these people follow the idea that is in your head. You know, and, and you're trying to make them do it. You know, for many, many nights. I mean, yeah. this is something where, you know, when you do theater, I mean, the director leaves and you still have so many performances to go. You know, you might have somebody come to a tune up later or <laughs> someone else might be charged to say, you know, keep this vision. But it's about communicating that to a lot of people who have their own ideas and who want to do everything their own way. Sure. And, you know, that's definitely what happens to poor Charlie Brown when he steps into this. Yeah. yeah. And I did say step into it. like. <laughs> In a very specific way. Yeah, well, and we'll also bring in the Elton John song, Step Into Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Brown really stepped into Christmas this time. <laughs> we needed, like, Elton John to roll out, you know? That'd I be mean, great. That would have been really nice. Yeah, I'll take Elton John music any day. Yeah. Anything else? I love this movie. I love Christmas. I like feeling good. I like seeing something that works out when you don't think there's any possible way that it can work out. I love seeing friendships. I love seeing people coming together. I love it when people can change their mind and go from 
really not liking a person to loving a person because it just feels so good. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful special. The music is amazing. I love jazz, so this is a real treat for me. This soundtrack I can listen to any time of the year, any of the songs. I I love it. I love it. It's a great, great, great special. I mean, and there's kind of like a crowded field of Christmas specials nowadays, and it's hard to kind of watch them all, I feel like, because we oh, watch yeah. a lot of movies, too, so Christmas season is, like, movie-packed for us, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's when all the other movies start coming out, you know, in the present moment, too, because so many movies come out around Christmas, but I think there's always a place for this one, um, and, like, Emmett Otter... Oh, and yeah. And like maybe the Grinch. Sure. The, the, the cartoon, you know, so these are the things that I have been coming back to watch practically every year since I was, you know, pre-kindergarten. I mean, I've just, you know, they just don't get old. They're kind of a staple. They belong to Christmas just like a Christmas tree. So that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. Well, that is it for us. Uh, we will be back next year uh new shows new guests lots of fun in the meantime if you happen to go out to the movie theater over this holiday season be sure to check out the damien chazelle movie babylon because yours truly is actually in the film i play the character of kyle and i couldn't be more thrilled it is the best christmas gift i've ever had in my entire life <laughs> to be on a big screen a paramount movie working with an oscar-winning director an oscar-winning director of photography everything about it is incredible amazing actors brad pitt margot robbie we can go down the line there's so 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 many wonderful people in it uh please you know be sure to check it out and uh yeah that's it yeah congratulations john thank that's you awesome thank you i'm really proud of you thank it's, you it's super cool and yeah the movie is enormous and massive and and great you know there's so much to it and the fact that you got to be a part of that is so exciting mm -hmm. and the fact that you shot it at paramount is like so amazing and yeah. we actually went and watched it at a Paramount uh, Studios theater on the Paramount Studios lot mm -hmm. at the cast and crew screening. So, you know, we've kind of been sitting on this for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to be quiet. Well, like, we've yeah. really been sitting on the news that you were in it for over a year at this point because right. that you shot it around the time that our podcast actually started. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long time coming and we're so happy it's here and the movie is so fun and great. Um, yeah, we hope you guys get a chance to go out and see it. And yeah, enjoy. Yes, enjoy. Stay comfy. Stay comfy, everybody.